Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back into another edition of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and I'm joined today by co-host Corey DLG and producer Nico on the ones and twos. And I got to say, guys, I am pumped for week 11 of the NFL season. It's been snowing all week here in Wisconsin, pretty much. So I'm ready to just grab some snacks, bundle up on the couch, and just watch a ton of football this weekend. Try not to leave the house at all. Yeah, it's it's been about 55 degrees here, so I know exactly what you mean. It's uh, Oh, yeah, you, you do know it's, how. It's, 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 I think, 10 it, right it's now. It's incredibly similar situations. We had a, just an absolute flurry of uh, pollution. I don't know. Like, it's barely, it's barely cold here. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we can all relate. We all have similar situations. Like we're all on the same page. Headlines. Fantastic. I've seen these headlines about moving the the game out of Detroit, and I didn't click on them for the first couple times. And I was like, "What? Why would they? Like, what's going to be the problem?" And then when I read that they're like, "There's going to be six feet of snow," I was like, "Why would there be?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's winter." Never, yeah, okay, never mind. That that checks out. Like, I guess that would be why. <laughs> First of all, first of all, your words are very hurtful. <laughs> Secondly, we got to talk about this. We we really are going to dive into this Washington Commanders versus Houston Texans matchup. This there's a lot of things that fascinate me about this matchup that we're going to get to. We're also going to make picks, but you brought this up, so I've got to address it. I love and maybe I'm just a Midwest kid who grew up in uh, in Minnesota and Minneapolis and has lived most of his life in the Midwest. So maybe this is just me, but I love a snow game. I love when it's really deep snow, when it's coming down hard throughout the game and you can barely see the field and they're trudging through snow drifts. I'm not saying every game needs to be like that in the winter, but I love the the occasional snow game. I was so disappointed that they're moving this game to Detroit. What do you guys think? Are you for – I mean – the play is probably uh, it, not probably. It's going to be better on the field. They were supposed to get more snow than Devin Singletary is high, but <laughs> I was I was ready for the snow game. I guess if we're gonna run stats on people's heights to compare to the snow drift, uh, they may have made the right choice. <laughs> they were supposed to get six feet. He is five seven. <laughs> oh, it's it's not. Even they would close. have lost okay, a player. A fair point. Um, no, I I guess. I know what you're saying. Like, it kind of goes with the big argument of like, oh, the the changing of football into this kind of international, slightly safer, everyone can play game, right? Um, but ultimately, what moves the needle and what matters is TV and TV money. And was it the New England Buffalo game about three years ago, five years ago? Tom Brady was still a Patriot. When the snow was so heavy, you couldn't see the two teams on TV, basically. 
I don't think that was a Pats game. Uh, what game was that? That was a Colts. Colts. Yeah, okay, Bills. Okay. And 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 my issue with that is is probably exactly the issue the TV had is that it's just it's just not good television. Like it's not compelling to watch because it's hard to watch. If you can't understand what you're seeing while cracking open a beer and saying something insulting to your friend while you hug your girlfriend, then it's not going to be American NFL football. And that particular three and a half hours on Sunday, it was impossible to watch. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're going to. I mean, I guess try to avoid. I guess at that, least that active snowstorms. They're probably not avoid like, oh, it snowed Tuesday. There's going to be snow on the ground. They'll still play those games. But if there's heavy snow in the air, it's just going to mess up the picture too much for them to really roll it out. I feel like. I guess if it's to a point, then you can't see the game, and that stinks. And obviously, you would hope for the NFL's sake that the biggest driver is that they didn't want 70,000 people out on the road no. trying to get to the game. I don't really care about that at all. I don't think uh, I, I think it's more an idea of their product, unfortunately. Yeah, I so. But I, when I was envisioning it, do you remember that Eagles-Lions game? It was a few years ago when Megatron was still in the league and Shady McCoy was still on the Eagles. But it was a snow game and you had just players running through snow drifts. But it wasn't, it wasn't coming down so hard that you couldn't see the field. Because I distinctly remember the game and them running through the field and Shady McCoy, like – trying to juke people and sliding like six feet past where he was supposed to stop. And it was just, it was a little bit of a mess, but it was also wildly entertaining to see how they combated the elements. And I think when you, you think about moving it to a dome, which is what Detroit is, you think about how, Oh, they want to protect the, I, uh, the play on the field by making sure that it's not sloppy. When, I think a snow game actually still has valid entertainment value because it is entertaining trying to get through those elements and contend with with the winter and see which team can convert into a, a different version of, of themselves to adapt. Oh, don't get me wrong. If there wasn't snow coming down during the proposed airtime of the game, I do think they would play the game. But I think their bigger concern is that there's going to be a lot of snow coming down still during game time, and it, it just won't be it won't be worth it picture wise, because uh, they avoid very few storms. You know, they'll hold their breath until the last second. Um, I and when I say that I, they don't care about traffic, they played the Tampa Bay game literally two days after the hurricane in Florida, because the Florida hurricane moved and, and avoided Tampa. You know, everyone had left Tampa Bay. They had all left town. The Buccaneers and the other team that flew in still flew in, and then they all practiced two hours away outside of Florida, not sure where they were going to play the game, but knowing the game was still going to go on as scheduled. So I don't. I, it's it's clearly not about safety. It's clearly not about the integrity and protection of the cities. It's about the football and it's about the television package. But I, I think there's going to be too much active snow for them to be like, yeah, let's put on, let's put this on the television. And so that's the issue. I, I do think if it if it snowed, if if they could guarantee right now that there wouldn't be any snow falling 
or wouldn't be a heavy amount of snow falling during airtime, they would probably play the game in three feet of snow. They would. Do you remember Green Bay does this every once in a while where they ask the fans to come clean out the stadium before a game? That's just what they would do. They would just yep. call everybody up and be like, hey, everybody come shovel the stadium so you guys can have a football game tomorrow. And they wouldn't pay anyone, and they'd give them some photo ops and some you know, hot dogs and Cokes and, and get out of it. Um, well, that sounds super cynical about this, but I mean, it just is what it is. They only care about one thing. Whatever, whatever the reason is, there's not going to be a snow game tomorrow. A little disappointed, but guess what? What game is not moving is the Washington Commanders playing in Houston against the Houston Texans. Corey, are we getting the Commanders on an extreme high, or is this a sneaky trap game? Ooh, that's, a, that's an interesting question because they did just beat the Eagles on TV, and... Uh, they looked good doing it. Primetime game. Really good. Division opponent. And, and, and what was really more interesting about them winning is they did it. Okay. When you and I have talked about the football season and we've talked about teams like the Colts and different people, it sounds to me like you're always in the camp that Carson Wentz is the better quarterback than he gets credit for. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we pretty much know who Carson okay. Wentz is at this Do point. Do you think he's better than Tyler Heineke? Uh, that's a, that's a very interesting question I, because at time it feels like Heineke is willing to take more risks, but it definitely feels like the risks are more of a roller coaster. Yeah, I, I agree with it's, that. It's a 50, 50 I agree shot. With that, but, but I think the thing about Heineke that's important is when you talk about immeasurables and intangibles, one of them is they energize the team. Um, it hasn't happened here lately, but when Jimmy Garoppolo first came to San Francisco, he really energized that team, which, which all of a sudden meant, and this is going to sound this is going to sound dumb, but I, I promise I know what I'm talking about, and this isn't as crazy as it sounds. Jimmy Garoppolo being there would help energize like the defenses and stuff. Like The San Francisco defense would play a little bit better because he would be on the sidelines between kickoffs and talking to everybody at the beginning of the game, and he would be pumping everybody up and letting everybody know that the quarterback cares a ton. He's ready to win you games, and it would always help everyone on the team play a little bit better because they know that everyone's bought in. Heineke is another one of those guys. Just energy guy. Probably, I bet if we were wearing Redskins uniforms uh, on game day, he's going to slap us on the butt three hours before kickoff and be like, are you ready today? Are you pumped? And you're going to be like, have you already had three Red Bulls? But I bet that that's just kind of his, the way he gets himself ready for the game. And it's contagious because you see, hey, this is the guy who's taking all the snaps. This is the guy who's driving the offense. He's the engine. And he's excited, and he cares, and he's ready to go. And that helps everyone else play a little bit better. Uh, Carson Wentz doesn't have that. That's one of those intangible things that you're looking for in quarterbacks. That's that leadership. That's the ability to keep the locker room engaged and galvanized even when things aren't going great. And Heineke, from the outside looking in, certainly seems to have that. Uh, I don't know that this commander's team is peaking but I do think that right now they're playing good football, and I think that's because of Heineke. 
Yeah, I I like Heineke and like the the game that they had against the Buccaneers in the playoffs was was awesome a couple of years ago. I, I will say this about Wentz. I would have been willing to defend him a little more before last season, but the way the Colts just packed it in on the passing attack <laughs> and halfway through the season we're like, you know what? We literally cannot pass with him. Like we can't do it. We cannot have a passing game with him. We're just gonna have Jonathan Taylor run the ball thirty times a game. I thought spoke such volumes about where he was as a quarterback and as a decision maker and how he was able to attack defenses or was not able to attack defenses more accurately. I, I think that any defense that you could have, if you just cut the tape on from last year, it's really hard to to go to bat for, for Wentz, uh, despite some of the really good moments he had for the Eagles. All that said, it does look like, according to ESPN, Heineke will get the start again against the Texans. So they are going to have that energy for their offense. And, you know, it's weird. Even a game where they play well, or at least their defense played well, that game on Monday night was so sloppy. And it takes – they have all this weird stuff happen, and it still takes this crazy fumble from a receiver to kind of clinch the game for them. And you look at their offense, and, I mean, it's all guys that you kind of really – could fall in love with. You could really talk yourself into Curtis Samuel, uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, you have Logan Thomas at tight end. You have uh, Jahan Dotson, who's been a really good rookie before he got injured. He's back in the lineup now uh, at running backs. Antonio Gibson, I know he's had his struggles at running back, but uh, the receiver turned running back, really great hands when he's out of the backfield. He's a great pass catcher. Uh, Robinson, the uh, the running back out of Alabama who's back from comes back from this crazy shooting incident. He's a solid running back. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you like on this offense, and yet they'll still throw up kind of duds. Like that Monday Night Football game was kind of a dud for their offense. Uh, well, you, they, they – well, what's the nice way to say this? Their coaching staff sucks. Um, they're, 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 <laughs> I got – I guess there isn't yeah, a nice I, way I to say tired it. Of it. I, I was trying to find the nice way to say it. There's not one. Their coaching staff sucks. Um, you know, these are retreads from a bunch of other cities, and they're running the same offense they've been running since 1988, and it's it's not exciting. It's not good football. It's not – you're not confusing defenses. You're not making them guess. Um, they're just able – they just go out there and they just execute a little bit better than you – is basically how they win games. Uh, the Philly game, you're right, it was a mess. But there was still some dumb... Philly just overlooked Washington completely is what happened. Even the ending of the game was stupid. Um, you know, Heineke takes that knee after the high snap, right? So he's 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage when he takes the knee. And two Philadelphia Eagles players can't talk themselves out of hitting him while he's on the ground in a knee. I don't like... After all this talk about quarterbacks, why would you ever just dive at a guy who takes a knee like that? I don't understand it. Um, and so that was a personal foul, and that resulted in a first down, and then the, they're able to run the clock out because of that. There was just a lot of just bad football from Philadelphia, but that was what was going to happen. You, teams don't always play great. I've been having to kind of 
uh, a little behind the scenes for you. In our Discord thread, there's been a lot of talk about, like, Petre has not been playing very well for the Texans. And so some of the conversation has become things like, uh, you know, are we sure that Nick Casario is a good GM because of some of these picks? And I was like, guys, they're rookies. Like, they're not going to go out there and nail this every week. They're going to have bad weeks. They're going to have bad stretches. They might have bad months. But they're they're out there and they're learning, and we just threw these rookies out there to start against offenses that can do this forever. Like, once teams figured out that Petre and Stingley Jr. can do the basic stuff, now they're seeing complicated things, double moves and and – in crossing crossing fields and things of like that and now they're having to communicate coverages and it's a little bit harder and and so they're not performing as well so yeah i philly wasn't going to go out there and and pitch you know 17 shutout games they were going to lose games somewhere teams don't go undefeated anymore i mean i understand there was a new england team and i know there's a team that pops bottles every year but other than that teams don't go undefeated and so yeah, they were going to have a bad game. They happened to have it against Washington because they probably watched the film and said, we could beat these guys with our eyes closed. And Washington saw the film and said, if these guys go out and don't take it seriously, we might win a game. And that's what happened. Well, and to be to be fair to Washington, too, their defense did play w- pretty well, considering how many chances their offense gave Philly to uh, try and jumpstart their their performance on Monday night and I think that's what I would be more focused on than anything else if you're the Texans especially I know that uh, Derek Stingley Jr. did not participate in practice today if he is out for this game and all of a sudden you're having to kind of try and patchwork who's on like a guy like Terry McLaurin through this game I think you're going to be in some real trouble uh, on, on defense because their defense is going to get a lot of stops, I think, against the the Texans and this Texans offense. And I think they're going to load up on the line and try and force Davis Mills into some uh, mistakes or they're going to try and keep Pierce from kind of running this game. And I just don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to panic when they are – on offense because they didn't panic at all against the Eagles. And even though they ran the ball to barely over three yards of carry, I think that they're, they're going to impose their style of football and they kind of made it a, a slop, a sloppy game against the Eagles, but that worked out for them and they were able to come away with it. If they impose kind of a, a grinded out a really sloppy and a messy game where they're going to run the ball a ton, and they're going to try and get a ton of turnovers. I think that the Texans are going to slide into their style. And they can do it because they did did to the Eagles. It's more a matter of are they going to have kind of almost like – was that just their Super Bowl that they just came off of? Well, there's a couple key ingredients to remember there, and it's that they're, they are division rivals with the Eagles. You always get up for a division game. Uh, I know – you know, I'm thinking of plenty of – terrible Giants teams that somehow would still beat or play the Dallas Cowboys close, you know? Um, so you always get up for your division rivals. You always get ready for those games. We've, we've given uh, Peyton Manning a run for his money a few times in seasons that we were awful. Um, now granted, if we were at home, we would almost certainly lose those games because we, Peyton Manning was undefeated in our stadium. That was always a cool feeling. Um, but, 
We, we, <laughs> that was always yeah, nice. <laughs> oh man, there was one time, man. Oh, I don't even get me started. There was there was a game where JJ Watt sacked him, like threw him to the ground, and Peyton Manning fumbled, and we picked it up and we ran it in, and they called it all back because Peyton Manning's forward progress had stopped before the fumble. That stadium almost lit itself on fire. Like <laughs> you, you. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be one of those refs' grandchildren if they lived in Houston at that instant. Like it was, it was brutal <laughs> when the call came down, where they were just like, "No, no, no fumble, no touchdown," and everybody was like, "What?" Like it just exploded. Um, I, <laughs> I, the thing about playing a close, ugly game, I think that's important is that's also the Texan style of play. The Texans want to play a close, ugly game too. So I, if they just want to stand next to each other and just throw body blows until one team gives up, the Texans are probably one of the few teams I would say you don't want to do that with because that's all we've done all year. So it's not going to scare us. We're not going to look up at the scoreboard and go, oh, man, we're down two and, like, get nervous about it. Like, we'll be excited about only being down two because that's been where we've wanted teams all year. Uh, I think without Stingley, though, our defense might play a little bit better because we'll probably just have to play only zone. I think right now some of what hurts us a little bit is because Stingley's good enough to play man coverage on most receivers as a rookie, I think that we've been trying to kind of mix that in and pair him up against guys, and that's not necessarily what we're doing with the rest of the defense. So we'll at least be running things that the defense are more used to doing, I suspect, um, if Stingley doesn't play. Now, I would rather have Stingley on the field. I'd rather have Stingley on the field for this whole season, just get the reps in and work on the coverage and, and, and keep learning and growing. But if he can't play, it might be better for all 11 guys, at least in the short term. Um, I know that's kind of counterintuitive, I, but I, that's just kind of how I feel about what they're doing with the defense. I think there will be a couple of things that it really comes down to. Turnovers, like I said, I think that they're going to try and, and muck it up a bit uh, and just capitalize off some turnovers because I think you can guarantee, I think you can kind of bank on Washington to have a couple of turnovers. And so the defense trying to get pressure and force mistakes is really the only way that Washington can counterbalance that. The other thing is, is that, Despite their performance against the Eagles, the Commanders do tend to, at least throughout the season, give up yards. They've allowed an average of 341 yards against Ooh. them. Uh, Ooh, the Texans allow 408. Oh, that's a bigger number. So I think that they're – yeah, it's it's going to be quite the defensive performance from both these teams. Uh, I think that there will be a lot of movement between the 20s. It could very well come down to how each team plays in the red zone. Yeah, I, I mean, if they're going to keep just grinding it all the way down the field, then absolutely, I think you're, you're right. That, that'll be the deciding. It'll also, but the, what that also means is it'll come down to these two coaches correctly knowing when to kick field goals and, and, and take points. Um, now, I haven't seen any of the games where the Redskins coaches mm. don't understand points yet, so... Maybe we'll both be okay. Uh, this is one of those ones where I'd be praying we could play against somebody like the Raiders or somebody where Josh McDaniels keeps going for two when he doesn't need to. Um, 
according to the Raiders organization. Good coach. Is that, is that what they said this week? <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're not worried at all. Uh, there, it doesn't matter. I mean, we've, we, we've talked about it. There, there's a couple coaches in the league right now that, that, that would not be playing in Corey's football league. Uh, so, it is what it is. Who, but no, who I think is they the... know, as long as they know when to kick field goals, if it's if it's fourth and two, anywhere in the red zone, just take the points. You know, don't 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 get cute. Uh, I did hear Rex Burkhead is out, um, so that actually gives me a little bit of hope for the running game. Who's the most most important player for you in this game? Oh man. The offense has got to be Damian Pierce. Uh, I read a I read a stat the other day that just absolutely depressed me. For the entire season, the Texans have run 27 plays with the lead, and I believe three of those are three <laughs> and outs, and somewhere in all that is two turnovers. Stellar, stellar so, work. Damian Pierce is going to be important. Uh, if for anybody who's critical there, it's 27 offensive I, snaps with the lead all season. I think for me it kind of it it's going to be Hughes on okay, defense. Okay. I think that generate if you're going to be changing stuff in the secondary, if you've got guys banged up or missing the game. I think that the pressure that they've they've been able at times to create some good pressure on the quarterback, and I think that's going to be even more emphasized if you've got. I mean, you mentioned Jalen Petrie and his his play falling off the last few weeks. Uh, we've already talked about Stingley. He's missed time. He might miss if he doesn't miss the game. He's going to be coming in banged up. I think that pressure on Heineke, who had some turnovers last week and has had turnovers getting the starts uh and he's going to try and force the issue a little bit uh which could get him into trouble i think getting a pass rush is going to be incredibly crucial in this game if they're gonna if they're gonna hang with them uh and so i think that hughes is probably their i i don't think it's a hot take to say he's probably their best pass rusher right now and him coming up – I mean, the other day against the Eagles, he had a massive outing, and he needs to have that type of game again. Yeah, no, he's – you know, there was there was some conversation about, like, oh, why did we build our roster this way? Why didn't we just go get 40 undrafted free agents and pair them with, you know, these rookies that we drafted and just give, make everything open audition? And the reason you didn't do that is you wanted guys – this is going to – this goes back to the cynical thing – you wanted guys who are on their way out of the league, guys who 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 would who know that they're out of the league, who know that they don't have any more time, and would give anything they've got to get one or two more years in the league. Guys like Hughes, who the day we cut him is the day he's done in the NFL. Um, and knowing that he's only gone out there and just put up one of his best seasons ever because he's playing like a guy who's got nowhere left to go. Uh, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to. We wanted guys to go out there and perform and practice, and rehab their bodies, and handle the media and do all of it the quote unquote right way, so that the rookies can look around and just be surrounded by guys 
who would die to stay in the NFL and and go, okay, well, this is this is important business, and this is how they take care of themselves, and this is how they get there. And, yeah, I, I think in, in that regard, it's been good for these rookies to see how these other guys do it. Uh, but you're right. Like, any other team probably wouldn't be counting on a guy like Hughes to have an impact on the game. But coming in, you're right. If it's not Larry Hughes, I don't, I don't know who else it's going to be. All right, let's let's go to making some picks here on this game. Before we do that, though, Corey, let's hear from some sponsors. All righty. Uh, it's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction and a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science in trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. It's time to trade in your masks for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get up to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. Okay, everybody, let me tell you all about the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More Adventure Stadium. That's right. And we already know about the great and wonderful comics and, tra and trading card store they have on the first floor. They also now have on the second floor a sports memorabilia store and sports trading cards. It's awesome. Get up there to the stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, the second floor above the, the original Adventure Begins, and the Marcel Town Center. Make sure to check them out. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. The Adventure Stadium. So, we've got some picks to make. Looking at the line here. Oh, gosh. We have the, the Commanders as a road favorite by three points. And the over-under set at 40 and a half. Is that just the permanent Texans <laughs> over-under number? Well, I think they would go lower if they thought they could get away with it. But I think... Any lower, and you start to really gamble with your money, which we know the books don't do. If the if we come on one day and the Lions at like thirty eight, we just we just shudder the yeah. Podcast. Well, no, because don't do don't say that because we still have Jacksonville on the schedule one more time. Um, so there's a real sh there's oh, a real no. shot we could see like a thirty six or thirty eight for that game. The way everything's going, they're three and seven. I mean, two games above us. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like the, I like the over in this game. Ooh, yeah. What are you? If we're at twenty eight fourteen, we're at forty two. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I think the six points is. A, I think the six points just, is a little insulting, but I could easily see it getting out of hand, and I and I don't like saying that. But I think Washington is playing good football right now. No, it's three. 
Three points. Well, it's three for them, but that's six because they're playing here. Well, that's true. That's true. If you're looking at it as the Vegas putting them on a neutral field, I, uh, I mean, to be fair though, the Texans should not be getting three points <laughs> anywhere, even at home. That's not fair. That's not nice. What, 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 should we? To uh, be fair, no cake for your birthday. Okay, like that's that's rude. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest. I'm just being brutally the Geneva honest. Geneva Convention. Brutally if I honest. Say no offense. You can't be offended by what I say. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to give an honest take on this Ooh. line and three honestly feels pretty nice. <laughs> why why didn't why didn't the Battle Red podcast get their press credentials? Oh oh they're gonna show us a list of quotes like that, Colton. Uh <laughs> Colton would shut up about not having a home field advantage and all of a sudden yeah. they'll never go the to Texans a game. Texans are like, oh, uh, on a neutral what? field I, we don't deserve three points, huh, Colton? Huh? I will. I will not. I will not be silenced. <laughs> man, just just going after them like they owe you money, man. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Um, yeah. I, uh, after all of that, I am gonna take Washington and the over. Uh, but I don't think you needed to say it like that. I think that was hurtful, and I think you owe people I... an apology. <laughs> <laughs> There's kinder words I could have chosen. I'm I'm right there with you on this one. It's the over and it's the minus three. Yeah, I I feel like the Eagles win is the kind of win that gives your like the next month of your season momentum. Not the kind of win where they come out and lay an egg. Uh, I don't game. know. I can see them being like super like the emotional high of beating Philly and then coming in and being let down. But I do still think they would make adjustments at halftime or Heineke would will them to some touchdown late. Um, you know, even if they just get 41, it still covers the over. Um, so I, I just, I don't, uh, I think there's enough points with the bulk of those though coming from the Washington side. Yeah. And I, I, I think this game probably does end up closer to seven than three. Yeah. I think if they were saying, on the spread yeah, side, yeah. If they were giving Washington like seven points, I would be, I would really study it a little closer. But giving Washington three like that, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a problem taking them in that situation. Three even, I like yeah. as well. That's a real nice, a uh, real nice spread. If you're looking to to lay some, uh, I think I'm gonna uh, go. Nico, what do you, what do you got? Uh, this is such a hard one because like, the over under is so. Black because we're afraid of scoring higher than twenty points. Uh, <laughs> we're allergic to it. <laughs> the Texans, we Nico and I did this one time. We went through all the wins and like tried to to figure out what happens in games when they get to like twenty points because they've gotten to twenty four, I think, twice. Once, one they time. They really don't like passing that twenty point they're barrier not, though. Well, they're not good enough. They're just not good enough to score 21 points. I mean, they wouldn't know what to do if they did. Um, you know, that's that's really what it boils down to is... Uh, remember there was the Baltimore defense where they were like, we're not going to... A team is only going to score one time a game against us. And they and they would promise the offense that. And they would go out and they would deliver. 2,000 yeah, Ravens. They would just go out and they would just go, okay, you guys get seven and that's it. So if our offense gets 10 points, we win. And they would just watch the scoreboard all game, and that was it. And they would just go out there, and the second their offense got 10 points, they knew they had won the game. 
that there is an element of uh, our problem is the opposite. We don't have the ability to score <laughs> enough points. Um, it's it's not the other way. Davis Mills looks up at sixteen <laughs> points and he's like, "I'm at my limit." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're waiting on a turnover for a touchdown. We're like, just take it to the house because if we got to run some plays to get it in, it's going to be a field goal. Um, yeah, I, we just we don't put ourselves in good enough positions to score points. We don't get on the other half of the field enough. We don't convert enough third downs. We don't get to the red zone very often. Uh, there was a stat today where Tennessee, over the last four years, has been the league leader for red zone conversions when it's first in goal they score on those drives they've had 14 since last year the streak ended tonight because they kneeled it out to end the clock uh but they've had nine they were 100 percent this year from first and goal converting those into Jeez. touchdowns nine for nine um uh, for, for the last four years they were 78 percent for the whole year they were there. They like I said, they were leading the league in that. That's not a problem we're gonna have. We don't we don't get to first and goal. We don't we don't convert enough third downs. We don't move the ball. We don't drive the field. So we don't have this problem. Um, I would like I would like a thirty for thirty to be done on what happens to the Texans after a turnover because the <laughs> amount of drives they've had that have been that have accumulated a net of negative yardage after a turnover is just insane. Well, that's one of those, I guess, I guess we can label this episode, the intangibles episode. That's another one of those intangibles. Can the quarterback forget that they screwed up the last time they were on the field? Um, you know, one of my, one of my favorite shows is the, is the Apple show with the coach, the soccer coach, uh, Ted Lasso. And, very early on, he tells one of the players when they made a mistake, he said, you know who the happiest fish in the animal kingdom is? And the guy says, I don't know. And he says, it's the goldfish. Do you know why? And they said, no, nah, I don't know. He says, because he got the shortest memory. So I'm going to tell you to be like a goldfish. Can you guess why? And he's like, because I'll forget. And he's like, that's right. You'll forget. Don't worry about it. And it comes up a couple more times in the episode, but, but it is, it's stupid, but it's true. You want to be able, you don't want to forget like, oh, yeah, they, they crossed the safety there, so I shouldn't throw into that corner of the field in this arrangement. But you do want to forget, I screwed up and I hurt the team. You, you just want to get out of your own way. You want to get out of your head and just move on to the next play. But some guys don't have that ability. That's a hard skill to have to just forget how bad it was yesterday, forget how bad it was just last play, and just move on. You know, there's 70,000 fans in the stadium, or they're supposed to be. 70,000 fans in the stadium booing you because you screwed up. And then you're supposed to be able to get out there and hike the ball and move on like nothing ever happened. And that's a hard skill. And that's not something Davis Mills seems to have. All that to ask. Nico, your <laughs> picks. Uh, I'm taking... I gotta take the Texans, and I'm going with the under. I think this is gonna be brutal. You're taking the points on the Texans. The man doesn't like to bet against I the Texans. It. I respect I it. it. I do think this is a game that they could win. I would have liked our chances much more if Carson Wentz was the quarterback. Well, yeah, yeah, who doesn't. Yeah. When I heard that they were like Carson Wentz is still hurt, and Tyler Heineke will be getting the start, I was like, well, that doesn't bode well. 
Carson Wentz is still hurt after Ron Rivera hit him with a folding chair. Even even terrible Ron Rivera's like, I think I like it when we win. I don't know. It seems weird. <sighs> I yeah, don't I hate, don't hate it. it. I don't hate it. Yeah, but there was a lot of things about that Philly game. Like I didn't know this until after the fact. His Ron Rivera's mother had died that week. Uh, so apparently, in the locker room, he broke down and cried and thanked the team for making his mother proud. Like there's a lot of emotion in that Philly game that does lend itself to kind of a letdown situation. But if you're ever going to have a letdown against a team and still win, it's the Texans this year. I think that, I mean, you look at the the last couple of games that Washington has had. They lose to a Vikings team who the Vikings, it looks like, might actually be a legit team. But then they had three wins before that. So I think this team... While it could be a, a letdown spot with the emotion of of the Monday night win and, and messing up the streak and all that stuff, I think this team might actually be starting to to find a little rhythm. They've won four of their last uh, of their last five, so I think it could actually be them going on a little bit of a run versus expecting a letdown. Honestly, uh, it's hard to argue. We need to see the game to know because I mean either. This is one of those left door, right door situations. Like it could be either one, right? Like we have to see how they come out early in the game, and that'll tell us if they're continuing their energy from last week or if last week was the unique situation and now they're back to being the, the Washington Commanders again. Yeah, it, I think it just depends on if Heineke is able to to grab that momentum and that energy again and. Like you mentioned, it seems like he might be that yeah, guy. Yeah, it does feel like he is. It do, it really does seem like – and they've, he's got a lot of starts for a guy that they – is this like his third year as the backup? Why haven't they just moved him into the starting role at this point? Because he's not a, a guy, I, I don't think. I don't think he's a – like he's not going to win them a Super Bowl. <sighs> What he did against Philly, I don't think any other quarterback on the roster would have done. So, I think he gives them their best chance for winning games. Maybe not a Super Bowl, but certainly games. I mean, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that with the quarterbacks they have on yeah, the roster. They're the ones who went out and signed Carson Wentz as the yeah. alternative. But it does feel like they're looking for a different quarterback uh, and have him kind of waiting in the wings if something happens. That process has left much to be yeah, desired. I, I, I think if I were them, I think I would just have him in the starting role. And every time a Deshaun Watson, a Russell Wilson comes off the trade, sure, make a run for it. But I, I don't know that I would go and sign like a Carson Wentz or I mean, even like a Ryan Tannehill or a Kirk Cousins if they were available. You know, like I think I would just leave Tyler Heineke in there until one of these top 10 guys comes free. But I guess I, guess I just don't understand what they're doing. But it kind of lends itself to them being a poorly run organization. Yeah, to, to say the least, they are they have some management issues uh, that we're not going to get into. But as for picks, Corey and I were taking the over and grabbing Washington's points, and we've got Old Faithful Nico sticking with the franchise. He's got the the Texans points, and he's taking the under. All right, boys, that's the show. Wrapping up another week. 
we got more football coming in a couple of days. And, of course, we'll have more episodes of Battle Red Radio coming at you on Sunday night, Monday morning, and then throughout next week. So make sure you're subscribing wherever you found this podcast as well as coming back next week for some more content. For right now, my co-host, Corey DLG, producer Nico, and myself, Colt Molesky, thank you so much for joining us for another installment of Battle Red Radio. <laughs>